Know Thyself is dedicated to the exploration of the most rewarding task an individual can ever embark on, the journey to find oneself. Our intention is to investigate the universal principles that have equipped our species to seek the treasure of all treasures, self-knowledge. With your host, Daniel Powinski and Eduardo Manteca, this is the Know Thyself Podcast. Friends. Um, cool, man. So you ready? I'm ready, my guy. All right. We welcome. get on our sounds? Cool. Welcome, welcome. Hells yeah. 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 I think the audio levels are solid, dude. Cool. Awesome, man. Well, hey, um, first of all, welcome. Welcome to the Know Thyself Podcast. Here with Daniel. Hello. I'm Eduardo. And uh, yeah, season two, we've talked about starting this with, um, well, with the beginning. And with that, you know, describing um, how we're going to go about the beginning with incorporating the Bible and starting with Genesis. And so we've had a, we just had a few discussions on how we really want to approach this. There's so much information out there that's more of the exoteric information that you can find or you're maybe well aware of with the Bible. And so obviously with this podcast, we will be doing an esoteric breakdown. And of course, this is going to take some time, you know, um, it's not easy to just sort of like take Genesis and then just break it down in just maybe a couple episodes. So be patient with us as we'll just like keep exploring different resources that we're going to talk amongst ourselves to then present back to where we left off in order to keep a unified, uh, um, I guess, idea of, of mm. where we're going with Genesis and, and the deeper meanings behind Genesis that are not always um, known to, to everyone. And so, um, I think we should start with a good background, uh, a li little background on Genesis and the origins and sort of go from there. Um, and as always, I'll let you take it away from here, man. Cool, I got man. tons of questions and I got a ton of different um, points of view that I really want to bring up, but uh, let's lay out that foundation. Cool. Fantastic, my man. Great introduction. Um, yeah. And so that's what we're going to be kind of dealing with. And you know, on on reflection, it was pretty early last week after we finished the podcast on time that we were kind of starting to kind of discuss this week's podcast, and we started looking at Genesis and the idea that we were going to do just one or two episodes on Genesis um, after we really started studying became hysterical because right. you know we have all these plans of getting through all these books of the Bible, um, but it's this is a situation that it's not going to be great just to learn how to run first. We kind of want to learn how to walk first. And Genesis is that perfect beginning to kind of set up how you kind of maneuver through this document and this resource. So um, Genesis is going to kind of be the case study that we're going to start with. And I think as we kind of, you know, raise our biblical language and we really kind of start to really interpret this from the true perspective that it was written for. Mm -hmm. I think the books will go a little bit faster, but why rush Genesis? When we really were taking a look at it, we were like, you know, we're, we're not going to get very far in it today and we're just going to kind of keep building on it. But it's such an important subject because within this, we're going to see all the aspects from the Hermetic Principles 
to the process of alchemy, to the other mythologies that we spoke about in the first season. So it's going to be kind of like a review, which is kind of interesting, of right. everything that we've already kind of looked into, right? Um, so that's what we're going to be kind of planning on doing. So we're going to kind of tackle Genesis, and we're just going to take it from the beginning of the story. And this is such an important aspect to start, because with Genesis— and with this discussion of time, we're really going to understand that the beginning is the end. Mm -hmm. And that's really what we're going to kind of start to meditate on. And that's what we're really kind of try to kind of keep in that mind's eye. But the first thing we kind of really want to approach when we're looking at the Bible in Genesis is Genesis is unique because when it comes to creation stories, when it comes to the actual physical creation, and I'm sure you've kind of saw this from reading through there's not a lot of information written about the actual like physical creation of the universe, right? It's just the really like the first chapter. And then we kind of jump right into like Adam and Eve, um, which is kind of unique. And there's kind of a couple different reasons for that. One, right. you know, the original book of Genesis, this has probably had to be like re-remembered and re-scribed. Okay. So this is probably isn't even the earliest document. We think that the earliest forms of the Old Testament in Genesis came from either ancient Babylon or ancient Egypt, um, but it has some really, really deep aspects that go further back than kind of the Hebrew community. So um, we really think that there's some influence from like more of the Far East mm -hmm. on this creation story. Um, but either way, we kind of have a condensed spark note version of not only the creation of the universe, but the creation of the self. Right. Right? So that right away is kind of a unique aspect because we're kind of left with very little information um, in regards to creation. So when that happens, when you when you have to research a sacred text and you probably don't have the complete aspect of it, you really kind of start going through with almost a magnifying glass line by line because mm -hmm. you have such limited amount of information, you want to make sure that you utilize the information that you're provided to its highest aspect. And that's why we're really only going to kind of concentrate on almost the first couple lines of Genesis today because it kind of sets up the parameter of going forward what we should be kind of looking into. Um, so with this understanding of the Bible— you know, we know that the Old Testament was, um, oldest version is going to be in Hebrew. The New Testament is going to be in ancient Greek. But also, ancient Greek is going to um, also, you know, they're going to have their own, not their own version, but they're going to translate the Old Testament as well. So we're going to kind of see how words are going to kind of bounce between Hebrew and Greek. Right. Um, especially in like the King James Version, which isn't the best version of the Bible that we're reading or the most accurate to the um, historic translations, but it's kind of the universal one. So that's why we're kind of using that as a basis, but not saying it's the end-all version of the Bible. Right. Um, very much is not. Um, so just a kind of a few things to kind of think about. When we're, when we're talking about the Bible, Eddie might say something like, you know, Genesis 2-6, um, and that's looking at the chapter and the verse. So you say the book, and then you say the... Um, you say the book, you see um, the chapter, which would be the two, and then you say the verse. Um, and the first thing we kind of want to um, allude the in, the reader to is, or the listener to, is this is something, the addition of the verses and the addition of the books, and just the breaking up all of these stories is going to be something that was done kind of post-creation right. of these texts, right? So... These books um, are going to get organized by man, which is very important because it, it lets us to 
you know, actually organize it. And then we can actually reference a part of the book, right? Where before, when it was just one big story, it was really hard to reference a certain point to kind of have that discussion. So it's really important that the books were broken up into the different books, the different chapters, and the different verses. But that being said, man is the one that set the, separated that. So some things don't fit in the chapters that they're supposed to, and they mm-hmm. should have actually been in the next chapter, or it just doesn't fit the chapter that it's in. So that's also going to be a lens that we're looking for, and just something to hold in mind as we're kind of going through the Bible. Imagine when this first document was shared, it wasn't written, it was spoken, um, and it was a continual story. Right. And I think that separation is almost... Again, it kind of that separation in the Bible almost alludes to how we feel like we're separated from source. You know what I mean? And it's almost kind of parallels that aspect because it's really just this one unified document. But even well, the the download that they're giving you is completely, you know, uh, fragmented. You know, it's like that's an that's an interesting thing in itself to do. Is that here's this download that mm-hmm. represents the reflection of our own selves, and it's broken into this story in a way that kind of like untaps you. So rather right. than staying tapped in right. through the whole thing, you know what I'm saying? Oh, for sure. For sure. And you know what? It's like we always, you know, um, kind of like when you break stuff down in a very, very rough form, they talk about how God is putting things back together and making it whole, and the devil is cutting up everything up into its pieces. Oh, wow. Um, and we've seen that in kind of our, you know, modern world, how everything has been kind of, compartmentalized, right? right? Everything's separated. Like even the sciences, you're not just a scientist, you're a certain kind of physicist, right? right. You know, like engineers, you're going to be like a small compartment of engineering. You're not like looking at the whole science. Um, you know, so man kind of has this ability to chop up the whole. Um, one, to digest it better. One, to be able to quantify it, which is important. But in that aspect, we lose, the whole is always greater than the sum of its parts. Right. Right? You know, like we can dissect a dog and like take it apart and all of its pieces, right? But we can't put it back together and give it life. Right. Right. There's that universal whole aspect that is greater than the sum of its parts. So when we kind of think about the Bible, kind of think of it in the same way the, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Exactly. You know what I mean? Um, and that's why one of the things about it being this whole spiritual process is keeping it whole, right? Like, you know, my biggest pet peeve in the world is when I go to a restaurant. And they try to cut a burrito in half because that's man getting in the way of God's creation, right? God's one of his greatest creations, right? It's a thing that wraps food up and you actually eat the container, right? Right? There's no waste. You actually eat what it's being held. Right. What does man do? Gets his hands in there and starts cutting it in half. And what does that do? It just gets burrito all over your face. Exactly. It's, it's ridiculous. always our, our intent that ends with a failure, which is, you know, to find an easier way to handle something that shouldn't have been and it broken. Was fine. It's fine. And like, I, the greatest thing is when, when people are like, well, what if I only want to eat half the burrito? It's just like, stop eating it. Just stop <laughs> eating the burrito. You have half of it right there. Like, it's perfect. You can actually like, kind of like scoop out the insides and then you can actually fold the tortilla and you can actually like reseal it. Yep. It's God's greatest gift and people are ruining it. But it just shows that man is always getting his hands in there. I mean, this is what we're going to kind of see with the Bible. Right. Probably not completely comparable. But we can kind of see, you know, as above, so below, right? right? That would be the most below, which would be that Polito reference. But that's what we're looking at. So, again, we're looking at this truly amazing spiritual document that everybody has some kind of pull to. And we're going to have to kind of maneuver these hands of man. 
that have kind of got in there, right? Yeah. And again, there's some stuff that men and women do that's going to help benefit the, the 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 lessons and really kind of help with that, right? But again, there's going to be some. It's hard to kind of touch the waters without getting a little bit of mud in there and muddling mm-hmm. it, right? And that's what we're going to kind of see. So. As we kind of make this transverse through the Bible, let's kind of keep that in mind that, yeah, we're going to break it up into its compartment compartmentalized parts, but we really want to study this as a whole. Um, and again, we really want to be studying this from the aspect of ourselves, and that right. this is really dealing with not only the creation of the universe, but also the creation of the universe within ourselves. Correct. Right? When we partake in that first spark or that divine spark. So... Um, so yeah, so we're kind of just making our way, um, making our way to Genesis, um, and with Genesis, I mean, again, the, the conversation just about the Bible is just fascinating mm-hmm. because, like, even just like on an es- exoteric aspect, there's not a lot of spiritual books that are shared between different religions. Like Judaism has the right. Torah, right? And they use the Old Testament as like their Bible. And then Christians incorporate the Old Testament as their Bible. And then they also have the New Testament. Mm-hmm. You don't see that very often in spirituality where two different religions are kind of using the same source. Now, you start looking at the Quran, you start looking at um, you know all the other sacred documents, and you see a lot of correlations and you see a lot of similarities but not so much the same exact document so right off the bat the bible is a little unique there that there's two different religious organizations that are using the same document which is just kind of fascinating in like a religious studies right right right. it kind of like can be pinpointed uh to the whole idea of the middle east breaching or making its way into the West. And so it brings where it's probably origins of its influence comes from the far East into the middle East, middle East into the West. And so you have the middle going towards the West and therefore you have this sort of agreement of like, well, here we are on these two worlds or this, these two religions that, you know, we're just both going to agree to disagree, but also still use each other's, I don't know. It's an interesting thing. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's, I mean, but it wouldn't be, but it would be almost kind of similar to like how Buddhism was birthed out of Hinduism. So I guess there's a little bit of similarity there, but yeah, you're right. it's, it's, it's very different. It's very kind of unique. So just as like a case study in itself. Um, but as we kind of start moving forward, what we're going to kind of really look at too is um, we're going to kind of really start to approaching this um after we kind of gone through Genesis, but we're going to look at the word Kabbalah and what the Kabbalah actually is. Um, and the Kabbalah is kind of like other kind of um, philosophical terms that we've used where the lowercase and the uppercase of the word kind of dignify two different things, mm-hmm. right? Like we've used this example before with self and self, right? Mm-hmm. Lowercase self is kind of that attachment to the lower ego, that uppercase S for self is that really that connection to source, Mm -hmm. right? And using that Godhead energy to kind of come through. So Kabbalah with the lower C is going to be pretty much just like the study of metaphysics. Mm. Okay. So it's the study of the metaphysics. It's any kind of like mystic art. You, you also can use the word Kabbalah in like the idea of like a secret organization or like a political organization. Like we kind of use the word Kabbalah today to kind of talk more about like potential like turds that might actually be run in the world, right? right. Um, so you're going to use the word Kabbalah, so kind of kind of throws people off, but that's not really what Kabbalah is. Kabbalah is actually a really, really um, 
source of traditional, a body of traditional knowledge. So Kabbalah with a capital C constitutes the body of traditional knowledge of the Old Testament. Okay, so Kabbalah with a capital C, if you see Hebrew Kabbalah, or it's going to be based off of Gematria, which we're going to talk about, which is like their numerology, Kabbalah, if what's going to be associated with the Hebrews is going to be the pretty much the keys to decipher the Old Testament. Okay, if you see ancient Greek Kabbalah with a capital C, that's going to be the keys to decipher the New Testament. Right. But these are the keys. Okay, and you're going to hear about the keys, especially when we kind of go back deeper in creation stories, like the in the the Mithras, um, the mystery of the Mithras and stuff. You have a lot of unlocking with the keys and like the seven doors, the seven seals of Revelation, and we're gonna you're gonna see a lot of key symbolism that's gonna kind of come up. Um, And this is just something we kind of want to be aware of as well. So and the number seven, (laughs) what's that? And the number seven and the number seven. I like how you just brought that up. Right? Yeah, the number seven and the keys. Right? So um, the Greek Kabbalah is going to be the keys to the New Testament, and the Hebrew Kabbalah is going to be the keys to the. Old Testament, right? And so how you'll see this in like alchemical literature or esoteric art is going to be like a gold and silver key that are um, kind of connected, Mm -hmm. right? You've kind of seen it before. Mm -hmm. Um, They're kind of almost running like perpendicular to each other, right? Um, They cross where the body of it is, right? And then the key heads at the top are separated. And usually it's going to be a silver key and a golden key, Okay. You're going to see this in a lot of Catholic art. Um, the Pentecostal cross is very much sent up like this. What these keys are signifying is the silver key is going to be the key of the Hebrew Bible. Right. That's the Kabbalah for the Hebrew Bible. Okay. Um, this is the law. Okay. So also you're going to hear the silver key denoted to the study of tarot. Okay, because Tarot, what is Tarot? Tarot is the law of the universe. The Old Testament is all about the law. The New Testament is all about the manifestation. Okay, and that's going to be the golden key. Right. Because the New Testament is about what you manifest, what you do in the light of the day. What metal rules the day? Gold. Mm -hmm. So one's the sun, one's the moon. Okay, what is, again, like, you know, why is it that um, this is the same reason why, like, Christians, exoteric Christians, very much worship on Sunday? Because they worship, not so much they worship, they study the golden key right. of this understanding, right? Where the Jewish usually are going to study the silver, but really traditional are going to study both the silver and the gold, right? Um, and that's going to be kind of what your esoteric is, is that understanding of the silver and the gold. So think of the silver key as the Old Testament, the study of tarot. The law, um, almost like the moon, the secret mysteries, the secret teachings, the teachings of the feminine. Um, and the golden key, which is the New Testament, is going to be more direct. This is the law and manifest. And where the silver key is tarot, the golden key is astrology. Right. Okay. And so what do we know about astrology? Astrology is a much more exact science than tarot, right? So you read, go to an astrological interpreter, someone who looks at your birth chart, and you go to a tarot reading, you have two different personalities here. Now, they both are very beneficial to character development. But the golden one, the physical, that New Testament, the manifestation of the law, is looking for manifested things such as aspects, angles, um, you know, patterns in actual physical space, where the tarot is dealing more with like 
the invisible, the emotions, right? Like tarot, going through your first tarot deck is just almost, it's almost like nauseating because it's experiences that you felt internally your whole life that you've never been able to explain. And now there's pictures to it. And you're like, why is these like five cups? Like they're situated, makes so much sense to me. And I've never read a book about tarot, right? right? It's that internal knowledge. So again, tarot readers and astrological readers, and somebody could do both of them, that's fine, but it's kind of almost two different energies that you're tapping into. Right. It's that silver key and that golden key. So just something to be on the lookout for, because I know when we were talking about alchemy, one of the things that people really enjoyed the most was like how they started seeing alchemy in other pieces of art. And like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know that this was here. Um, start looking for these two keys, because these right. are the keys of creation. And there's always gonna be these locks. There's always gonna be seven locks. Um, and you have to be able to turn those keys. Um, so yeah, silver key is going to be the moon, Old Testament. Golden key is going to be astrology. And it's going to be the New Testament. Um, but these are the keys to decipher the Bible. I mean, we'll get into the Kabbalah a little bit more. But we're going to kind of go through Genesis first, because there's going to be a lot of like Hebrew that we're going to kind of break into. Mm -hmm. And those are also numbers. So hopefully we can maybe formulate some kind of video or some kind of like PowerPoint that kind of accompany it accompany it you know um especially because like sometimes i when i try to pronounce hebrew it's just like <laughs> try again <laughs> so we'll see what's that but that was just kind of a little bit um kind of going forward for sure I and mean, kind of just thinking about it because man like we talked about this we had so much excitement of just like breaking down genesis and like when you're we talking and you're like you know what should i read i'm like you know just read the whole book of genesis and it's just like you get through the first like three lines and you're like dude, we're not going to be able to get past this point. Maybe next next episode, you know? Because right. um, there's just so much to say. Because in the first 10 words of the Bible might be the most impressive um, impressive sentence in the entire English language for everything that it kind of holds. So we'll kind of go from there. But, um, but yeah, I mean, just kind of getting started. We'll kind of get started with these five books of Moses that starts with... Uh, with Genesis and right. in the beginning, so uh, in the beginning, yeah. I mean, what what was your kind of take? What because um, I know you kind of looked at some of your own resources as well. But no, what, no, I like I like where we're at. So, like my take on it is the same as to everything that we break down from the moral um, guiding principles that we can all relate to or talk about or want to know more about, they're all in there. And I think it's important to understand why they're there in the first place before man actually has this influence on certain lines that are already presented within Genesis. I mean, just even the idea of numerology should be carefully uh, presented just because, um, I mean, we talked about this before, even with vibration should be just something to be considered, you know, how a Hebrew word is vibrated and what it does and when it rhymes with another word. They only rhymed in Hebrew, but they don't rhyme in in the Latin that we sort of translated from and, and what we took from from the New Testament. And then just right there, you lose a bit of information, even though the translation is like as close as it can get, mm -hmm. it's not the same. So that in itself is like a whole web of like, mm -hmm. how do we even like go in there and break that down? And then the other thing you used to talk about is the the uh the numerology right you know the numerology even like in the first few sentences in genesis i mean the the way it's broken down is into seven words mm -hmm. and if people don't even know that you know it's not a coincidence you know what i mean but it's interesting how you can overlook that and just keep going and just right. kind of like take off and then you don't really know right if if why there was a reason for it to be the the whole seven so i just feel like 
my take on it is the same as anybody who can research this, whether it's like the King James Version or if you look at other um, uh, older versions of the Bible or even understanding the 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 perspective that we're going to have on it throughout the podcast, I just feel like there's, it's kind of a hard way to sort of tie it all down. But I think the overall idea of where the stars and the moon came from and the intention behind uh, understanding the light that was bestowed upon us to see the same, that was, that what was in, in us is what has created us also is what we are inside. The creation story is in, in us. That's what I really like about this whole idea mm-hmm. of the Bible that again, sort of is hard to put into, I wouldn't say it's hard. I just think it's difficult to sort of like bring reference points that people can be like, well, where does it say that? And it's like, well, it's, it's how it's interpreted, but that's the whole thing. It's like, if you're going to have a guiding book, then you should always have, in my opinion, so this is my opinion, a perspective that, you know, this is a story of us and, and how to really navigate um, as I think the source wanted us to navigate in the first place through. And that's where you get all these chapters that reflect all the the obvious miscalculations or the misinterpretations we had in the first place on the first round before we all got even flooded. You know, it's yeah. just like, don't want to go all the way to that point, but it's just interesting how like you can kind of look at it from this one perspective, like you said about alchemy and seeing alchemy and other things. Um, so again, I, I feel like we'll keep evolving from where we want to stand. I mean, most of the sources that I looked at had it... Um, are are sources that anyone can find so i think that if we can just start with like the first few lines we can just sort of break it down you know from there so yeah yeah no and you know what man you brought up a a great point too because you know i always kind of like talk about i always quote on here um you know the old testament was written in hebrew and the new testament was written in ancient greek and that's very true but we when we talk about translations we forget about how everything was transferred into Latin. And then like, depending on what age you studied Latin in, like there's early Latin, middle Latin and post Latin. Latin is just at one point, like Latin kind of loses all of its formalities. And like, it just kind of goes haywire, like middle Latin. You have to be like your own kind of degree to read middle Latin than pre and post Latin. Mm. Like it's its own language. Cause it just kind of like lost its base and it just kind of went haywire. So Again, part of this Bible translation is in that, not the misstep of Latin, but the confusion that came when there wasn't a lot of structure to Latin. Mm. Um, And so that's influencing how this book has kind of been translated as well. Cool. Right? Um, So, yeah, so great. So we kind of have a couple different translations that we're working with. um, And we'll read the first one right here. And this is from King James. Um, And this is kind of what we're going to be concentrating on today. And I know this is a topic that we've already spoken about, but it's, uh, this is endless. And this, this statement right here is probably one of the most powerful statements um, apart from I am, but when it comes to understanding, um, you know, the Trinity, unity, as well as duality um, is all in this statement. And it's very, on the surface, a very simple statement but um, we'll begin to kind of break it down and see what it's all about. But uh, Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. In, the, um, in this translation I have of the Torah right here, um, very similar, but just so we can kind of just see the, the variations um, in this book right here, we have when God began to create heaven and earth. 
So when God began to create heaven and earth. So again, the big things we kind of want to pick out from, um, we have um, in the beginning. Um, so this is talking about the start of something, right? And that's going to be something that we're going to kind of discuss. Um, we have the word God and we have heaven and earth. And that's right. kind of what we're going to kind of talk about today. And, um, you know, again, remember that this is a, this is a very, um, I'm trying to even think of the word, like an almost like a, Genesis is almost like a prologue to the book of Moses, which is these five books in the Bible, right? So Genesis is actually kind of like the introduction. And again, this this is an extremely abridged version of the creation story compared to other cultures. Mm-hmm. Other cultures go much more deeper into their creation story. So in that aspect, that the idea that every that there's been a lot lost, there's a lot of internal inspir- and like introspection that mystics, seers, and prophets since this book has been created, going in to kind of talk about, you know, what was that beginning? Right. right? And what does the beginning even entail? Um, because in regards to consciousness and it comes to the universal law and the idea of everything, there is no beginner to the, cre- there is no beginning to the creation, Right. Um, we look even like, you know, going a little bit further into the New Testament, we talk about John, and there's a great line when God says, you know, before Abraham, right. I am. Um, and so this is this is talking that the energy beyond this creation was before the creation, right? And that's what we're really going to kind of look at today is we're really going to try to see almost what was that energy that sparked this physical reality, Yeah, right? What was the... Why is it that creation started to create in this aspect of more of this manifestation and this form- formentation? Um, and that's kind of one of the biggest kind of um, things to kind of look at. Um, so, first of all, when we think about in the beginning, um, which is that opening line, this first this first line is going to cover an unbelievable amount of time. Like in the beginning, God made the heaven and the earth. We're not talking about, because how this is kind of spoken about is it, it's spoken about that creation was done in seven days. Right. It's not like the physical seven days that we know, correct? No. Right. So this is endless amount of times, right? This is eons, eons, eons. Like I was just in, you know, Northwestern Arizona this week and I got to touch petrified wood, right? Which was like 250 million years old and you're like touching it. Um and, um, you know, again, we don't really, with carbon dating, it's, it's such a variety of how we can actually test stuff for its age. And there's, you know, nothing's an exact science, but either way, this petrified wood is really, really old, right? Um, the oldest thing I probably have ever touched. And thinking about that, this is where your postmodernist people who read the Bible analytical kind of have their first jump is like, oh, how did God make the creation in seven days? But we're really not talking about a time frame because remember, the source of this energy or the the one thing that precedes manifestation um, is not within time. So we really can't measure time in regards to how we relate to time because yeah, we're physically in this five point. sense contract. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Um, and I, you know, I don't know again, you know, why it's so important to kind of break it, but like just in the beginning, you know, any mystic and even a fool knows that in the beginning, 
there was nothing. Okay. Um, so we can kind of break that word down too. So if in the beginning there was nothing, we're going to break that down phonetically. And so in the beginning there was no thing. Okay. There was no thing, a thing being a manifested object. Right. Right. So here we have the one mind and that one thing. Again, from the um, from our hermetic teachings, right? And the Emerald Tablet, which mm-hmm. was all about that one thing and the one mind, right. right? So this is where we're getting the introduction. We're getting the introduction to this one mind before the creation of this one thing, okay? And really kind of understanding, like even just kind of me- like meditating on the aspect of that no thing, right? Not nothing, but no thing. Um so what we really kind of see is before creation, all there was was potential. Right. Kind of that feminine potential. And this is, again, why we're going to later on see how God's going to move his face across the waters, right? The darkness. And he's going to spread light. So right from the vat, we have this idea that the one mind is present, but it has not manifested into the one thing. Okay, and that's really what this creation is going to be talking about. So you can look at this creation story as the first time that there's actually manifestation in creation. You can look at it, the physical creation, but you can also look for it, that creation of that one thing inside of you, which is pumping your heart and pushing you through time um, and allowing you to be conscious, right? That one thing we're really talking about is not so much your personality of the soul that you remember, but the personality of the, your soul that you can't remember not remembering. Right. Right. And it's like, you know, we have our experiences. Like I remember skateboarding with you and I remember this and this, like in my early childhood, but there's a part of me that's just like, but when did I begin? You know, like, I know I began, like, I remember my kind of like earliest memory that I kind of remember, but there was a before that, right. Before I kind of got, um, not separated, but individualized, right? There's that internal understanding of being one with the source, right? And then we have that fall that we talked about with mm-hmm. the soul's journey. And that's what we're going to kind of get to with Adam and Eve. Um, but, um, so what we're going to have in this beginning is this idea of the creator. And this is going to help us understand. So in the beginning, there was no thing. So there was nothing. And what we're going to have here is the creator is going to take the experience of beginning to reflect on himself. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then from this reflection, we are going to get creation. Right. Okay. And this is where this manifestation is going to happen. And I think the best way I've explained it is from Neville Gardard. He really explains it as the painter has fallen in love with the painting. And he wants to live through that painting. Right. And that's kind of what happens. He starts the idea, and this is more of like mystic traditions from all around the world are going to kind of combine to the story. But remember, Genesis is kind of this abridged, really shortened version of creation. So we do want to tap into these other resources. But they do. They talk about the one mind reflecting on itself mm-hmm. and having the vision of individuals like itself with the ability of free will to love what they want, you know, to have the ability to choose and to love who they choose and the ability to aspire to truth and to become all seeing and all knowing like himself. Right. Right. And so right off the bat, we have this mystical interpretation of creation that far exceeds that first line of the Bible, 
but still encompasses what's in that Bible. Just from right off the bat, if we just kind of start looking at, well, what was in the beginning? What actually created this event? Um, but there's this this love that mind precedes matter, mm-hmm. and that that mind loves precedes matter. Okay, and that's something that like postmodernist and kind of the materialists don't want to admit. They want to say that it's more matter precedes mind, and they right. kind of see mind as like a what do they call it? It's like a biochemical malfunction consciousnesses compared to like modern science today. Um, which is just fascinating. Like you're saying that this was just an accident. Right. Um, that's not what these individuals in the past would say. The mystics would say that would be the, you know, maybe a fool would say that, but a mystic would never say that matter precedes mind. Um, and they would also say that this mind is all knowing and it's all loving. And what its urge was, was for its created individuals to rise up to become a creator like the creator itself. exactly. And where have we been going on this journey? What did alchemy talk to us about? What did the hero's journey talk to us about? What has every spiritual discussion we've had ended up at? Yep. Was this same dialogue, right? So again, it's so funny because we, we have all these conversations and we get, and we read all these new books and we take all these notes and it's always the same thing we kind of come to the conclusion on. And that's kind of what we're um, at least approaching to kind of see in this um, understanding of Genesis that Correct. we're looking at today. So right off the bat, in the beginning, um, that's what we're kind of dealing with. And so um, did you have anything when it came to um, in the beginning um, that you um, that you kind of read in your notes that you wanted to address before we move into God? No, we can move into, I mean, we can move into God. I mean, I'm sure that I'll have questions regarding like in the beginning, you know, light and time are constructed and I don't even know if it's so tricky because using words like even constructed, I don't, I feel like I don't want to give it a misrepresentation, but in the beginning, like I feel like one of the things that they skip over right after is how, um, you know, how it, it relates to God moving into those six days or the seven days. And then really just sort of, and then it begins from that point on with Adam and Eve, Mm -hmm. but there's just, there's gap that we're talking about right now with regards to the beginning. And so all I had to say to that was time and light. You know, I like that you described that these are eons. So this is before you can even describe time and light. So as time and light is created, the process of that being created in itself is such a hard thing to fathom, you know, to sort of like, it's so complex, Mm -hmm. but so overlooked at the same time. It's Mm -hmm. like, all right, moving on to number two. Um, and then number three and then number four. And it's just kind of like, you know what I'm saying? Like, let's just kind of speed up the process and get right to like, just the part about us, which Mm -hmm. is so typical in the sense that the one sin that we created away from the idea of God and the source that wanted us to be part of the source and reflect onto the source by creating our own source has us already thinking for ourselves in a sense of, well, if I go this way though, and it's the same thing with having your hands into the Bible. It's just mm-hmm. like you're doing almost a hypocritical thing of what the, the story is saying and, and how you kind of like missed the the thing that we were aiming for right off the bat. And just, again, in the Bible, starting with the beginning, it just sort of skips right over after, um, shortly after in the idea of where, where we went wrong and where we separated. So I just think it's good that we're addressing like, um, you know, 
time and light. So right. like starting from there and then, you know, going into like all the physical things that we know about with regards to the, the following days, um, the Genesis describes, you know, like the sea and the land and, right. and you know, and so all that stuff. So I hope that answers your question. I mean, I really don't have much more to great. say because I feel like what you're, what you're saying is, is great as far as the, the, the understanding of what the beginning is and like, you know, one thing I, d- I do know is is the word chaos is also like brought up, you know, mm-hmm. and that's just an interesting word in itself that is sort of introduced into the idea of like, here's the chaos and this is the piece that the universal piece that we're looking for uh, out of that chaos. And that kind of recurs a, a lot in the Bible and, mm-hmm. and, and in Genesis and like the redo and then the redo again and sort of like how we can go from chaos to a more tranquil um, state of mind that reflects on the creator. Um, so I feel like that's, that's something that I really right. always, that's like the main thing that's has always fascinated me with where, with, whether it's the Bible or the new or old Testament. I mean, just like being raised Catholic. So I'm like, there's just, there's these things that are not addressed as to what exactly they mean by it being chaos. You know, mm-hmm. chaos is defined in such a like small um not a small way, but it's again, back to the whole theme of what I learned through the beginning of the Bible is like, here's this word moving on. And it's like, no, we should break that down just a little further to understand like what we really mean by chaos. Mm-hmm. And so I think, we, I think you're doing a great job so far as I like, kind of like taking these pauses before we just go into these like statements that then allow us to just breeze through the next step and then yeah. the next, you know? No, man, great point on the chaos too, because that is one of the most, misunderstood it's like the word anarchy like people do like people think anarchy is chaos and then you have to explain to me like no anarchy just means no masters no rulers like chaos can happen if you're in an uncivilized society you know but if you're in a high aspect of society chaos isn't going to manifest from anarchy um so again we have these mis um like these the definition right that definition we have these misinterpretations of what these words mean and we lose that etymology the etymology and even the phonetic sense of it Mm so yeah man i think that that chaos when we kind of approach it in genesis and through the bible and again this bible is really just this you know the science of redemption of ourselves through the kind of that expansion of our inner understanding right um can you say that one more time that was great you like that Okay, let's hope I can pull that out of here. <laughs> so the Bible is kind of the re- it's the the redemption. Um, it's the redemption through man, the redemption of man through like almost the enlargement. That's it, the enlargement of his inner understanding. Right, right. right. So it's as we expand our inner understanding, the Bible really is like kind of like this roadmap that we can kind of work our way through. Just kind of like um, alchemy was kind of like that roadmap that we were kind of doing for this inner understanding expansion. Right. Um, and chaos plays such a huge role in that because chaos. I almost think through Genesis we can almost define chaos. And, I, and I'm kind of interested. I have the Hebrew Bible with me here. Um, so I kind of want to take the Hebrew look at where we can find chaos. But I almost see chaos as formless. Formless. And I don't almost, if we were going to alchemically talk about chaos, that would be, that would be the one thing, right? Because the one thing is shaped by the one mind. So that chaos and that potential, again, we have this misinterpretation of what chaos is because it's really just potential. And that's what we're dealing with in this beginning. It's the potential, and it's the same potential that we talk about a child has. Right. You know, like this infinite potential we have as we become creators. And we, as we go from childhood 
and we kind of make our maturity and go through that rites of passage to become adulthoods, we go through the manifestation of being creators. Because like, you don't, this is one of the things like I've kind of realized as I've taught like high school philosophy, sometimes I'm like, you know, and some kids are very much ready for it, but you forget that there is a part of you as you matured and as you almost start physically glowing, you start to gain the power of reflection, but you really don't have, you can think as a child, but you really don't have the the capacity of deep reflection like you do as an adult. Now there's some highly mature individuals. You have these like indigo children, and then you can just meet children that you're like, wow, you are from like, you're an old soul, right? Mm -hmm. And they can kind of have that aspect, but reflection takes time, right? Um, I honestly think that you really can't start like I, you know, that energy that grows your body, that kind of is your own genesis that's kind of pushing everything through. As you kind of go stop going through that physical process and you stop growing, that energy that was pushing you out starts to kind of get recycled back in. Mm -hmm. So you can actually start going through this. So that energy is now kind of coming in and you're almost keeping your own circuit. And this is again why I think a lot of people don't approach like depression kind of can raise in the 20s because you're starting to encounter more of this reflective aspect of yourself because you're not growing out. You're now you're growing inward, right? And the process is kind of moving through, but it's so interesting how you're, you kind of, again, you have the potential to be anything as a child, but you're not anything yet because you haven't um, manifested yourself. You haven't collapsed those waves to become something. So you're just pure potential. And then you get this ability to reflect. And as you get the ability to reflect, now you're in the role to become a creator. We're taking the same steps. Again, we're, we're, this is our biography. So you can actually read ahead to your biography because this book is the book of you. Right. Um, so you can actually read ahead, which is very interesting. But just the power of reflection um, and how important that is that this is what created everything and everything is going to manifest from this form. So in the beginning, we're talking about this chaos is formless. In the beginning is just potential, just like the potential of your own minds. And this is really what we're going to harness. This is really what we're going to understand because um, it's through that the love of the painting that the painter wants to experience that painting. So he puts himself through it. We have this reflection and this is really what this manifestation is going to be. So in the beginning, we kind of have this idea that, you know, in the beginning, this is a huge time scale and the, in the, in the aspect behind this is not bound by it, mm -hmm. right? It's not bound by time. So in the beginning, we come to the word God. Um, and so, in the King James Version, in this translation of the Torah I have here, it's written as God. Um, but in the Hebrew, it's written as Elohim. Um, and this is very, very important when it comes to biblical understanding, because Elohim is both male and female. So we have androgynous making itself apparent, and it means multiple. Okay, And this is really going to come into when we approach Gnosticism. Whenever we get the Gnosticism, because, you know, we thought we were going to get Gnosticism by the end of this um, season, but now we don't even know if we're going to get through the second chapter of Genesis by the right. end of the season as we start talking about it, right? But this will make a, this will even come into more of a picture then, but what we're dealing with here is the Bible translate this not as God, but God's, okay? And it, and it also is going to signify the male and the female. Okay, so right off the bat... 
we kind of have this astrological understanding because really where these gods are kind of being played out is almost the gods of the solar system. So this is almost talking about the planets, which would make sense because we've kind of denoted the planets as like positive and negative aspects. Okay. But the Bible's not calling them the gods, the creators of everything, of the one thing. This is just a manifestation that almost that God energy is working through. So we're already seeing that even the story we're getting is not even the deepest of the source of the story. Does that make sense? It does. So so that's what we're dealing with. So we really kind of want to take a look at this idea of not just this one God. Um, so that's going to really kind of take away this, you know, this idea of just a man with a beard who's sitting on a cloud who judges you for, you know, not going to a church or not giving money to the church. You know, just like the simple things that right. exoteric Christianity says we get uh, kind of judged for. But we have this aspect of an androgynous God. Okay, so now what has this done? This is now it's even validated alchemy even more because what is the goal of alchemy? Alchemy is to transcend time, right? Be able to mold space and to unify the aspects of the feminine and the masculine components within ourselves and get take it to the golden marriage, right? the great work. Because what are we trying to emulate in alchemy? become godlike right right we want to partake in creation so we must become more of the creator so again just in the first step like you can take all of our alchemical knowledge and it can fit within this first sentence of the bible okay so now it really kind of shows just how endless this conversation could go because we have these multiple gods that we're looking at as kind of the the planets or the powers to be these are the um um these are your main angels in Christianity. I don't, oh, you archangels. Um, archangels, yeah. So these are the rules, arch being kind of like master angels. Um, and this is going to start breaking down aspects, okay? So again, we have these multiple gods, um, and we kind of are, again, we're moving away from the unity source, which was in the beginning, because, you know, again, it was above time. So it was like time is linear, and this is the circle, right? And we're already kind of breaking it down into its different parts. So in the beginning, God created heaven and the earth, right? So in the beginning, we have the aspect of time, right? And then God, who we've talked about, is, which is Elohim, which is that androgynous male and female. So we have duality that's making itself present. And then we have the aspect of heaven and earth. right? And heaven is going to, in this case, until um, space, and Earth is going to represent matter. Um, but we're going to even take that a little bit different. Space, heaven, and space are really going to represent spirit and the above, and the aspect of the above and the below. Matter is going to represent Earth, um, and that's going to really just represent matter. Right. And um, that's going to be the below. So right there, and I know we've already spoken about this in the time episode, but we also see the Trinity because we have in the beginning, we have time, mm-hmm. and then we have God created space. Um, God created the heaven and the earth, which is space um, and matter. And you're going right. to need those three to make this physical manifestation happen, yeah. right? That's because, like- right, you know, it's just, it's so important because you can have space, um, you can have, you know, time and space, but if you don't have matter, you know, where did it happen? Right. Right. You can have space and matter, 
But when did it happen if you don't have time? You need to complete that trinity. So we have this breaking up of the unity, which is prior to in the beginning. And then we have the gods, which is Elohim. And that's going to break you up into duality. And then we kind of complete the trinity with space and time. So again, we're starting to see how these numbers are just blossoming out of the words. Okay. And they're almost hidden just like the seed. And it's only when you water that seed can you actually see the blossoming of the fruit or the blossoming of the flower of this information. Okay, so every sentence as we make it through the Bible, you're going to want to take holy water and pour it on there. Okay, and then you're going to want to use, you know, the ability of introspection and thought to give sunlight on it to nourish the seed that's buried within it. So you're going to use your emotions going to use that uh, right brain and that left brain, and you're going to use this for intelligence to try to decipher these messages. And right. some places you're going to have to water, some places you're going to have to put like deep, um, direct thought onto it. And one's going to be more of like settling with the emotions and trying to kind of uncover it from within. Mm. And the other one, you're kind of trying to see the manifestation on the out, seeing it sprout out of the ground. Um, and that's going to be kind of the aspects that we're going to be working with. So Again, we have to, to be able to partake in creation, we must be like the creator. And the creator is this combination of these male and these female components. So it's telling you, if you're going to water the seed, if you're going to get bare the fruit, if you're actually going to eat milk rather than meat, you're going to have to utilize these two aspects because this is a, do- this is a document written by God. Right. So you must become God to understand this document. And if not, well, sorry, you're not yeah. going to get it. You know yeah. what I mean? So um, so that's what we're kind of looking at. So just like right off the bat, we have this idea of this great consciousness reflecting on itself. And then through this reflection, we have this, this creation. And we're going to see this duality come up again. And it's going to make itself apparent through this manifestation because we're going to have both Adam and Eve, who I believe we're going to kind of approach either next week or the week following. Um, and that will give us a great understanding of a further understanding of duality. But even simple things, like simple things like this will explain why if a man has a car or a boat, he names it after a girl. It's not because like, oh, girl names are prettier. Most of the time they are, right? Right. Uh, maybe that's just because we're males and we're like, oh, that's a pretty name, right? But um, most of the time they're a little bit more beautiful, but that's not the case. There's actually an esoteric reason why like somebody's hot rod is a, a female name usually. Right. You know what I mean? And then if, so we'll kind of kind of get into that, but... um. One thing I um, I have here is from, this is an excerpt from Manly P. Hall's book, um, How to Read Your Bible. This is a great document for, a, a great book for everybody to get. He actually has a book, um, How to Read Your Bible, and then also Old Testament Wisdom. And I really suggest kind of getting them in combination. But he really talks about how you know, creation, he really kind of helped illuminate the idea that creationism is such an abridged story that we were left with. Um, there's so much more to it. So this is actually how he wrote that first line. Um, so he replaced in the beginning from the eternal principles and essences. So in the beginning, he wrote it as more of that one thing from the eternal principles and essences, the androgynous creator. So that's where God's going to come in manifested Fourth, the positive and negative aspects of being. Okay, so from the eternal principles and the essences, the androgynous creator, 
manifested forth the pa- the positive and negative aspects of being. Okay, so the positive is going to be spirit. The negative is going to be form. That's going to be material and matter. Right. Okay. Um, so this is just kind of a, another unique way to kind of look at it. But I love how the internal principles is really going to be that first cause and that first thing. Right. And that's what's kind of get manifested out, right? Because before the first thing, there was no thing, but there's still a mind, right? right? Um, that wasn't constrained to this thing. So this prima materia, this formless, changeless, and ageless, um, this is... This is chaos. Okay, so we're just seeing like almost the birth of this. Um, but we also know that this Elohim and the energy behind the Elohim um, was before the manifestation, right? Before Abraham, I am. And that's really, really important. So, um, you know, one of the things that I think is just so important as we kind of move forward, especially in this idea, because it's so it's so hard not to just like to jump into Gnosticism because um, you kind of have to go from we're doing esoteric Christianity and then we're going to kind of take it into Gnosticism. But esoteric Christianity and really creation myths all in all when mind came before matter is there is this complete love that the creator has for its creation. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we very much have watered down. Um and esoteric Christianity very much felt like the creator truly loved its creation. Now, Gnosticism is going to kind of speak about how the creator we think of as the creator, there's actually energy behind that that's a deeper creator, and that we actually have like almost this jealousy that's going to kind of come up. But still, even in Gnosticism, they kind of just take it a little bit further. But at the end of the road, the creation of everything has undying Un, unknowable love of creation and the aspects of creation mm. and the human form and human form so much because this is the completion to be able to experience what it means to become gods. Right. Um, again, God's lowercase g, not the idea of replacing God, um, not in this like, you know, dark Luciferian aspect, but more in the idea of like, you know, working yourself up to be able to sit at the table of God. Yeah, um, and that's what we're kind of looking at. But either way, that that love for its creation, and I think that that's something that gets missed in a lot of occult and esoteric teaching, um, because you know it's so funny that sometimes you hear dialogues and esoteric and occult teachers, they they I think they start studying this so much like a science because you can study it like assignments that they lose out on the religion of it aspect. And remember, we want to kind of study it as religion and science at the same time right. with one bar raised in the other side. And I think that's kind of what happens um, to some occult students is they forget about the love behind creation. Right. Um, and that can make them bitter. I think that can make them manipulative because you start learning how to utilize this energy. You start to understand that, oh, if I partake in creation, I am a creator. Now this is, We've said this statement so many times on this podcast, like you are a part of creation, so you are a creator. But now we're seeing the story actually detail this indefinitely. Right. Right? You have to be part of the creation Um, because creation isn't so much creating new stuff. It's more reorganizing patterns that are already there. And that's what you do. Like even when you start to invent something in your life, it comes as an idea first. Mm-hmm. Everything comes as an idea first. And that's mind is always going to precede matter. Even like, you know, we talk about like the invention of a spoon. 
you know, like that had to be formulated in somebody's mind of like, oh, I can use something to scoop this. Or even if it happened on accident and like a caveman just kind of used it, there was that internal realization that, hey, this actually works for food. That's a mind thing preceded the action of becoming a pattern or um, a habit, you know? Um, So, yeah, I mean... You know, and again, just to kind of go back to that, this Hebrew copy, because I have so many just freaking books open on this table, I feel like I have to read one. When God began to create heaven and earth, um, the earth being unformed and void. And so unformed and void, we're talking about that chaos. We're talking about that potential. Um, And that this potential we're talking about is the potential of each and every one of us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we get this feeling that we're so alone. And again, you know, from this aspect, since this creation, since this like this first burst of light within the darkness, that there's that explosion and there's like millions and million years that went by. Matter started out very hot and it's cooling down. So the earth is getting almost in the aspect of because it was like this fiery ball at first, it's going through this process of cooling down and it's solidifying. Solidifying. Okay. So with this solidification, we have to understand that in these biblical times, the physical and the mental and the spiritual barriers were not as solid as they are now. So you speak about, when you look at these ancient texts about these creation stories, they talk about giants. Like you hear about giants in the Bible. You know, you talk about these beasts, um, and because form really didn't form is through this whole evolution of consciousness since Genesis is still solidifying. Right. Right. And so one of the aspects we lose out on is we feel that we're all alone and we feel that, you know, that there's not these, these powers to say that are kind of like these powers that left be like these Elohims, which people call their guardian angels or these guiding planets. Um, you know, material science will tell us if you cry out to God, nobody's going to listen to you. But these metaphysics and these mystics will say the complete opposite. Right. Right. And just because we don't see it as much anymore, and it takes a lot more work to perceive this, you have to do your own internal work. Uh, I mean, you can do a little bit of psychedelics and that can break it through, but still there's like, most of the time you do psychedelics, there's you end up with more questions than you got answers. Like nobody really goes into like a mushroom trip coming out being like, Oh, I know everything now. Mm-hmm. You you usually have more questions. You know, right. you've you've experienced something that's beyond the five senses that you're usually partaking in, but still at the end of the day, you're you have more questions rather than less questions. Um But one of the things that I like I just kind of really want to allude to is, you know. The angels and the gods still have a say in what is formulating, right? Even when we're talking about time and how we're going to continue this conversation and the evolution through the ages, well, what's guiding that energy, right? When we talk about time being this guiding force, time is this energy that's kind of behind creation and it's working through and it's kind of morphing it. But we have this feeling that if we cry out to heavens, nothing's going to hear us. And that's couldn't be further away from the truth because they're just right on the barriers, right? And they're just always yelling for you to awaken, right? Mm-hmm. And there's always this constant, you know, push to awake. And if you really close your mind and you listen, that's what's being whispered to you, you know? And we go back to the beginning of the season through that I Am episode. And the awakening is, again, it's not you physically awakening. It's that God aspect that one thing the one mind i should say 
that one mind awakening within thyself. Right. Right. Um, Which is what you do get out of a psychedelic to, 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 to kind of add about what you said before the, you might have more questions than answers. But one thing that I think personally speaking, people uh, can have their own interpretation of a psychedelic moment. You are re connected to a source that is undeniable. Mm -hmm. And that's like the only thing that you definitely come out of there feeling like, okay, this energy that is being pushed by time is real and it's in me and it's around me and Mm. it's a part of me and it's never going to not be a part of me, whether I want to like believe or not believe that's, that's your own, that's your own process of sort of interpreting what you can and cannot understand, which is, I think is funny that you said about science is absolutely true that you can cry out to the gods and no one will hear you. You know, that's a, that's a choice you make consciously by, you know, using a sense of, uh, of, wanting something to um, speak to you without you wanting to speak with it uh, in return. It's just like, you're just not really connected to it. And I think this is a great way to sort of like start this, this season with, with Genesis is that the, the reflection of, of, of or what, what we should know about what we're about to embark on starts with what we, you know, need to r- recognize we're always connected to, mm-hmm. um, despite what is said or what is understood. So um, by, by our, our, the people before us, I should say, because I think that's something that misguides us sometimes. And I think the, the whole purpose of this, whether it's like through the Emerald tablets or the Bible, it's just that, you know, what, what is and what is not is even in itself, something that can't be really defined. You know, it's sort of, um, uh, I don't know if that, does that make sense? Like yes. it's, it's, um, kind of like losing my my point here but um but yeah so 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 go on i just don't want to like go off on a tangent yet because i do want to like bring up what what will come down to uh the whole second season all the way to the end where we you know enter with the gnostics will be like an incremental um description of like what these things really mean or what the, what like even the word chaos really um how it's really understood by, Mm -hmm. by us, you know? And, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. No, man, you bring up such a good point. And too, you know, what this does too, is it, it answers that question. If creation was given to and put into manifestation so the creator can experience through us, right? Which is the whole aspect of I am, right? When I say I am Daniel, I am the creator experiencing Daniel, mm-hmm. right? If we kind of go back to that 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 first first sent um, first episode, but we really see that the meaning of life is the evolution of the lower self connecting with the higher self, right? The whole reason for this five sense reality, this five sense construct of reality, the whole reason for the four elements. The whole reason for everything that's physically manifested in this world is for the evolution of consciousness. It's not to acquire things. It's not even to, um, you know, it's not to become more powerful. It's not to become more wealthy. It's not to have a better house than your neighbor. It's for the evolution of consciousness. And God is working through us to experience consciousness in the infinite varieties that he does. And he's put himself in the painting and he is all aspects. He is everything and nothing. Right. right. He is the box. He is the inside the box. He's outside the box. He's everything, right? So this idea of being held in your mind, 
you have to understand that when you approach these great crossroads in your life where you are choosing between love and truth and, you know, fear and hate, it's not an understatement to say that the entire universe holds its breath for you to make that decision. Right. Because through love and truth, the evolution of the consciousness is actually going to enhance. Love expands consciousness, hate and fear um, reject it, right? And they kind of suffocate that idea. So this idea, when you think it's not a big a big deal of like, oh, you know what, today I'm going to kind of choose to be greedy or today I'm going to choose those negative parts. You know, it's just so easy to get into a depressive mood. It's just easier for me. I'm just going to do that, right? When you make that, you are literally, I can hear a choir of angels sigh. Mm-hmm. And if you make that decision to go for the love and the truth, you will have a whole power of angels singing your choir, right? So what we really want to do with this understanding of creation is not only to make these angels sing, but to make them dance as well. And that's what we're kind of going for. And we want to kind of make this understanding. So you just have to understand, like, I don't know how to put it any more than you're the most important thing in the world, right? right? And so is everybody else. You're no more important than anybody else, but you're not less unimportant than anybody else. So it doesn't matter who's got the most likes. It doesn't matter who's got the best cars. It doesn't even matter if my car is actually going to start when I leave here today, because I don't think it is. <laughs> but what does matter is that consciousness is evolving. Yeah. Right. And we go through this evolution. This is what we're pushing for. And, and this is what is going to leave you in peace and completeness when it's our time to depart from here. Mm-hmm. Right. Is, you know, you have one job to do. It's to evolve consciousness. And you're like, well, how do I do that? It's through love and truth. There's, it's, it's very simple, mm-hmm. right? And we really start wanting to breaking that down. But we have to understand that the whole universe holds its breath for us to make these right decisions. And you may not think you're that important enough, but you are. And you may think that, oh, you know, but I'm putting myself through this personal hell of like this depression or, you know, I, I just want to sit in this mud. You're not just you. You are universal consciousness. You are you are taking God and you're sitting in the mud with God. Right. And God's just like, this is stupid. So he's going to make you uncomfortable because he's like, I didn't, I didn't manifest here for you to sit in your mud and just pout. Right. Right. Um, and that's what we're dealing with. And so there's something so empowering about this creation story because you really start to understand just how much you are a creator and the evolution of consciousness depends on you. Right. Um, and this is the, especially for the age that we're in, and we're going to get into this next week when we talk about the Kali Yuga, because again, we started talking about time and I'm sure people started to research the Kali Yugas and then we're like, oh my yeah. gosh, we're dying. We're d- you know? <laughs> yeah, and yeah. it's not the case. It yeah. just means that we're going to present information a little differently. We're going to approach stuff a little bit differently in this, in this end of this iron age. Right. Um, but we know that the creator is, is the alpha and the omega. So right. it doesn't matter if, you know, everything disappears. It, nothing, it won't disappear right. because it is the beginning and the end. Um, but we're going to talk about, you know, how are we going to, as an organization, how are we going to, as individuals, make sure that um, love wins? Yep. Right? All board the truth train. That's right. Right? Truth, truth. Truth, truth. <laughs> so, um, yeah, man. I mean, Genesis, right? Like, just such a amazing um amazing story and i look at we talked about getting um where it was like when i was talking to you i was just like make sure you look at like the bloodlines make sure we talk about adam and eve and we we didn't even make it to the second line right right so 
Um, I think we're going to move a little bit faster just because there was so much to kind of include here. But guys, really, we could do a whole podcast season on this first line. And it's just endless. Um, So hopefully you guys are seeing some merit in this. But um, but what do you think, man? I would love for you to kind of, I felt like I talked a little bit more than we usually do today. Um, No, and that's okay. I I don't mind at all. I mean, as much as the listeners are learning or interpreting what you say, so do I, because that's all this is. It's just an interpretation of what we even started from the very beginning. I mean, like no matter what we do on a microscopic level, my macroscopic like perspective is exactly what you just left off with, Mm -hmm. which is like leaning towards love and truth and understanding that we are never alone. And that's the overall message that I want to get out before I leave. Cause I am the beginning and the end as well. You know what I mean? Everybody is. It's like you start and you end. So in between that, it's our job to show, you know, uh, how to be that mirror that reflects the creator in itself, you know, and really show people like what's in that mirror. And so they can see themselves, but they can also like see the greater, um, the greater idea that I think any of these principles and esoteric and even exoteric uh, information that has been bestowed upon us for thousands of years and, and even years are just not even going to do justice to it because I don't think we'll ever be able to like pinpoint it as much. Just kind of like what you were saying about having a psychedelic experience, you'll leave with more questions, but at least some certainty that to know nothing, you'll want to know everything. Right. And to know everything is impossible, but at least your heart is probably now in the right direction to want to do the good, then rather than just claim that there's nothing to do for the good and or just to let things be as they are. And I think that's the evolution of consciousness in itself is to take that brave step to the direction that feels a little more difficult in order to have the reward or the understanding of what love is in the first place. Cause you can't teach a child what a love is, but you can take something from a child and give it back and it'll have a rudimentary understanding of like what it means to have and what it means to not have. And I think it starts very basic, but it's all inside. And I think what everything you said, I, again, I have, even though I'm still talking, I'm saying, I have nothing to add to it because like everything you said was beautiful because that's exactly what needs to be the foundation of like what we're going to break down within these, these, these stories and these allegories and then, and, and everything that we've already done even before that. And, and the individuals who have their own interpretations, like Manly P Hall, just like taking those first words and making them to what they most likely represent to him and what it probably should have been represented or introduced to by many, but completely overlooked. And so I feel like taking it from where you did, it's exactly where we need to start. So that's all I have to say. Right. Beautifully done. Hey, my man. It's always so, so great to um, to have these conversations with you. And it's yeah, just kind of like an endless one. So yeah, this is this is an exciting one. Yes. So um, anything else do you want to add? I mean, always big thank out. Big thank you to everybody who shares the podcast. Big thank you to the reviews too. That's yeah. huge. Like the reviews on Spotify and Apple, um, it lets those corporate turds, turds like show more of our stuff, which is always cool. Absolutely. Um, so yeah. So thank you so much for the downloads. Always the biggest thank you to our patron ninjas. We are so th- so thankful for you guys, um, and you just mean the world to us. And you know what? We we started talking about your computer last week, um, and then we didn't share the story. Um, but Eduardo had a accident with his computer and would you spill water on it or coffee 
coffee coffee coffee coffee it's coffee, coffee. yeah but uh no it was it was great i mean it, it, as as bad as it sound everything worked out and and i have to thank all the patron members because i know that we say thank you to all of you but you know daniel and i are still two individuals walking this life right next to you but we're just providing maybe just another uh interpretation from some friends that you have from far away and without you we can't keep moving forward when we need these tools to help us communicate what we want to communicate to the rest of you so just as much as you know i want to say thank you i also want you to acknowledge how much of a part you have in this because to lose a tool that doesn't allow me to move forward does delay you know everything and uh it was a very silly thing for me to experience but one of the greatest things that came out of it was like the complete understanding of like letting go of something like so small like this and then quickly having a turnaround because of the patreon members to say well hey like those five dollars that we send or whatever amount we do should be able to help you out now shouldn't it and i'm like it did it did you oh, know? it was huge so it was thank huge. you so yeah. thank you very much and and i'm doing my best to catch up and so is daniel with you know we have different we have like at least three or four different sources to where you can reach us you know whether it's like the social media that you see um you know all the posts through or whether it is our website or uh, the emails, or of course the Patreon accounts, and getting back to you and reading your stories are just—they're um, so—they're so touching and just meaningful. Because again, I am you, and you're with me, and so don't worry about you know what you say and and how you express yourself. Just helps me better my uh, my thoughts for the following episode, and and encourages me to to encourage you. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. Yeah, no, man, it's, I love it. You know, one time I was, I, I, like, I went to, the, we have this place called Fantasia in Arizona, and it's like an esoteric occult bookstore, and um, I spent, like, I always didn't go in there, like, I'm like, I'll get two bucks, I end up spending, like, all my money. And one time I spent all my money at Fantasia, like, I was just, like, spent all my money, like, counted my change, and then I left Fantasia, and I'm like, man, I'm kind of, like, hungry, um, and the patron account completely forgot about it. I was able to buy a sandwich. There you go, the man. <laughs> I was Keeping just like, patron people, I love you. It was a great sandwich. It's a good thing, man. Um, so yeah, we're just so thankful for the, the monetary support. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, other than that, I think, you know, it's, uh, we know what the work we got to do. And yep. We got to keep going. Got to keep going. So anything else? I don't think so. Cool. That being said, until next time, then. Until next time. Awesome, man. We're still here. We're still here.